Today's episode has some mature content about women's issues in Malawi. So if you have some little ears around, you may want to save this one for later or be ready with the pause button. Merry Christmas from Malawi. Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> Christmas is a little different in Malawi, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's a, a lot of different for us, really. Of course, first is the season difference. It's summer here. Yeah, it's hot. Hot and humid and rain instead of snow. Yeah, thankfully the rains have started. We love rainy season. Yeah, and so honestly, living in Malawi, I never know what month of the year it is. Because <laughs> you don't have the seasonal cues. Yeah, I'm just always confused. It could be April or it could be December. I have no clue. And which 2020 has been 10 times worse about that because we haven't had our usual like yearly calendar. Yeah, the, the routine's been a little off. The visitors and things yeah. like that that we usually have. But we've had to, uh, this will be our third Christmas yeah. in Malawi. So we've had to kind of shift our expectations and uh, create some different traditions. Yeah. Um, the biggest difference is that obviously we don't have our families, our yeah. extended families to see and visit with. And it was always, um, it was always a really fun and kind of crazy time visiting all the sides of the families. Mm -hmm. um, and we obviously miss them a lot yeah. during this time, especially. And it's more difficult, especially with Thanksgiving, because it's really hot usually in Thanksgiving. Oh, it's, it's before so the rains have started the last three years. And so it's unbearably hot, like uh, about 100 degrees. Was, yeah, I think it was about between 95 and 100. Yeah. And we don't have air conditioning in the house. And so what it is outside is what it in, is inside, except... When you're making Thanksgiving foods. You're using the stove and the oven all day. And so it's even hotter in the house. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, so we But I just can't bring myself to not make the traditional Thanksgiving foods. But by the time it's done, you can hardly even enjoy them because you're so hot. You so have hot. like two bites and you, you want a gallon of water and you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... But we did it. Yeah. We, we enjoyed it. More for Christmas, it's mango season. Yep. So we've tried to really incorporate mangoes and associate mangoes with the taste of Christmas. Yeah. December, really just the month of December. We're just in, up to our eyeballs in mangoes. Yeah. All over Malawi. And um, not as many decorations out publicly. No. Although we have our decorations in our home. I think the first, our first Christmas here, when we put up the Christmas tree, all the Malawians who came over thought it was so strange that we put a tree in our house. Yeah. And, but, um, we did go see the Christmas lights the other day. <laughs> you have to realize that we don't get out at nighttime very much just because there's a, not a lot going on. It's not like we have kids who have ball games and stuff at yeah. nighttime and B um, traveling long distances and stuff can be a little dangerous and there can be thieves out and different things. Yeah. That, uh, but we were coming back from the lake. Was this last week? Monday. 
yeah, last Monday, and we were getting into town a little bit after dark. Right at, kind of right after dusk. It wasn't totally dark. And um, so all the the business lights and stuff were on when we're driving through Zomba. And what did Abe say? Abe was amazed which the the gas station has like led lights that go all around the top you know the yeah. roof over the pumps and, and he was saying wow the gas station wow the gas station <laughs> <laughs> look at the lights on the gas station so that was our christmas lights was well the and then gas was station. it kips had a few lights outside yeah there too yeah there was a restaurant that had a few christmas lights like a up. single strand kind yeah. of zigzagged across the front of the building so we drove and looked at christmas lights <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just can't wait for Abe to go to America on furlough and just see everything that is absolutely amazing. I'm so excited about all of the funny things he's going to say and observe. I feel like during our furlough, our podcast will just be telling the things that the kids say and observe. Especially Abe. Yeah. And probably a little bit JJ. But Abe, I mean, he was two when we moved here. He doesn't remember America at all. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be six when we take our first furlough. And I, that's also like right at the beginning of the age of right in the middle of the age of like talking all the time and saying hilarious stuff yeah. nonstop. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast for 2022 yeah. so that uh, you can hear all this stuff. Um, we had uh, in the month of November, we had our students here for Shepherds Academy for the residential program. That's our young men who are studying to uh, be pastors. They have a call of ministry on their life and we have 32 of them. And uh, that went fantastic. Great attitude among the guys and they did a great job. They've gone home now uh, for Christmas break, but they'll be back on January the 3rd for their next term. So we just really appreciate everyone who's been praying for them and especially those who have sponsored students. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we still have eight that need sponsorship and that's at um, $360 a year or $30 a month. And you can just go to our website, gospellife.org and and set up that giving there. But um, really proud at how that ministry is going and especially how uh, my colleague Isaac is working with them. And you have how many new guys this year? Uh, oh, I'm, I've gone blank, but it's a total is 32. Okay. 32 total students and it's two-year program. So um Part of them are, it's their second and final year. Part of them, they just started uh, last month and they'll be uh, coming back in January and then again in March to finish out this year. And then they have ministry assignments during the summer, but we'll talk about that on another podcast. So today we're going to talk about women's ministry. Yeah, we have a very exciting special guest with us, Janet Mwandira, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, we're really excited to introduce her to you and let you hear her tell you all about, uh, what it's like to be a woman in Malawi.
I'm Josh. And I'm Stacy Lee. We're missionaries in Malawi with Gospel Life Global Missions. And this is the Gospel Life Podcast, where we talk about missions, Malawi, and more. Today, we talk about women's ministry in Malawi. Today, we have good Janet in the studio. (laughs) If you're familiar with The Good Place on NBC, we have our very own good Janet. (laughs) Yeah, Janet is my assistant, but she also is the translator for the Women's Bible Study. And she's an amazing young Malawian woman. And so we've brought her on to discuss today's topic of what it's like to be a woman in Malawi and a Christian woman in Malawi. So just to begin, Janet, with, uh, or maybe you want to begin by saying hi to all of our listeners around the world. Yeah. Hi, everyone listening. This is Janet. <laughs> um, so so I think maybe to begin with, for our listeners, especially in the United States, we just want to describe what life is like for a woman in Malawi and specifically Uh, The type of women we usually minister to are women in the villages, Mm -hmm. in a rural lifestyle. Um, So what's it like waking up every morning as a woman in Malawi? What's your your day like? Okay. Um, So life in Malawi for a woman, um, generally, I would say it's quite um, interesting and challenging at the same time. So... A woman in a typical village or in villages in our communities, as they wake up, they wake up early in the morning, maybe around 2, rather around 4 a.m. So to do the chores, getting um, the the family ready, uh, whether they are doing farming, if it's uh, farming season. Um, And yeah, they... The, they do a lot of things. They do a lot of chores throughout the day till they go to bed in the evening. So basically, um, a woman in the village is up every day, running up and down and doing different chores. So some of those chores would be gathering firewood. Yes, um, going to the maize mill, uh-huh. uh, going to the farm, doing small scale businesses to support their husbands. Getting water. Yeah, getting water, things like those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this lifestyle starts for even before you're married, right? Yeah. Uh, As a little girl. Yeah, around seven, eight, uh, girls already started uh, being taught these chores. Like they're taught how to become responsible and being helpful in families. So you could see young girls going to the uh, boho to fetch water early in the morning, in the uh, afternoon, or even in the evening. So these chores are taught at a younger age. Which is not exactly the case with the boys. No, not at all. Yes. (laughs) Boys that age are still out playing and the girls are working, right? Yeah, of course. Of course, nowadays with these um, secular uh, organizations or Christians or uh, Christian organization who are now encouraging um, gender equality, mm-hmm. we are trying, they are trying as much to uh, involve men and uh, young boys to do the chores as well. But we, ha- we are not yet there. It's yeah. all for women. <laughs> yeah. I, I've noticed a difference when I've been baptizing mm-hmm. men versus women. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, men coming into the water and being baptized, it's, it's not a big deal. But but the women are very afraid, mm -hmm. and sometimes they kind of freak out mm -hmm. when you start to put them <laughs> under, mm -hmm. because if you notice in the villages and things, the boys a lot of times are out swimming in the rivers and things, but girls, mm -hmm. they never get that freedom in the water so it's just they're very scared going into the water yeah you you can't just let girls go and swim in the villages i mean <laughs> it's something like um out of our culture maybe only those that maybe are close to the streams or to the rivers are the ones that get exposed to water yeah. or some kind of like activities. Like the villages like on those. the lake and yes, stuff. Yes, yeah. but you wouldn't necessarily find a woman or a lady, a girl going and playing out there when they should be doing some chores at home and taking care of their home. So, yeah. So, um, Traditionally, I know this is changing, but traditionally, what is like the age when a girl would get married in Malawi? Um, traditionally, as long as a girl gets <laughs> to puberty, you know, when they come of age, that's when they can go and get married. But mm -hmm. um, the rules now state that maybe it's a um, for a girl, it's 18 years and above. Yeah. But you still find like um, this period where we had the COVID-19, mm -hmm. you could see lots of 11 years old uh, girls being married or being pregnant. So wow. much as the government is fighting for the uh, age marriage, which is 18, we still have uh, young girls getting married at a younger age. So as long as they come of age, um, so around 12, 16, or 15, we have some, even 14, yeah, they get married. Uh, wow. And in my experience, most marriages begin mm -hmm. with a pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, it's a shame to the parents and the community. So if a girl gets pregnant, definitely she should have to follow the husband. Mm -hmm. So and that has a negative impact also because it is affecting the life of girls, even in marriage, because it's something that they are not ready for or they're forced to get married because of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nowadays in the villages, uh, one of the points that maybe I should raise is that um, – we know things are changing. The typical communities are not as typical as they were maybe five years ago or so. Mm -hmm. uh, with the coming in of phones, um, uh, people from the villages go to South Africa, Johannesburg, where they do some uh, peaceworks, maybe in the houses and taking care of other things. So... Uh, girls are more exposed in the village than maybe we could imagine and think of. So you wouldn't be surprised. In, um, in, um, in back then, it wouldn't be easy for a girl to be talking uh, of sex, for instance. But these days, you'd be surprised that a young girl, maybe aged 11, is the one teaching mm. <laughs> a, a grown woman or telling someone about sex. Uh, so things have changed with the exposure of uh, uh, technology. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's really affecting the, Christ, uh, the Christian life of many young women and girls mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Malawi. Yeah, I mean, even you're talking about 
cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main way in the villages, I guess, would be through trading SD cards with videos mm-hmm. and things on them. And other exactly. other ways of there's some cheap satellite television and and things in some of the villages. Yes. Yeah. And especially the point that I raised that they uh, we have a lot of people going to South Africa these uh. days. So people coming from South Africa have cheap things that they've been in. Oh. So you'd go to a typical village, but you wouldn't uh, find it as typical as it was maybe five years ago supposed to be married after 18 many Mm -hmm. are being married before then Mm -hmm. let's talk about the relationship between a husband and a wife in a typical village malawian marriage how does the husband treat his wife wow (laughs) (laughs) in a typical village like maybe stacy would agree with me in one of the bible studies that we did recently um, when we were talking with the ladies or the women, I know we'll come to that point, but then I made a comment to say, uh, in Malawi, couples don't look like couples <laughs> or spouses don't look like spouses. Yeah. Uh, so the relationship that's there between, um, spouses in a typical village is not as romantic as it would be for you guys in America. <laughs> so, um, you know, like, for me, a young lady as I am, I wouldn't imagine um, um, the kind of family or relationship that would be there for most of um, Malawian marriages. Why am I saying this? Because in the afternoon, I'll take it from wh- what we see out here. So the kind of relationship that is there is not that kind of, I don't know how to put it, but so not so romantic. It's kind of... It's more like a business partnership. Yes, exactly. That's... <laughs> That's the way where everyone is so serious. You know, when a man is talking to a woman, is so harsh. Mm-hmm. And when the woman is responding to whatever the husband is saying, is not in a friendly way as we would expect um, uh, men and women to be. And you would even uh, start to ask yourself that, oh, do these people stay, toge- stay together or sleep together? Yeah. But uh, basically, the relationship is not... Uh, it's not that... <laughs> Would you say a, a lot of husbands treat their wives more like their employees or even slaves? Yes, or objects at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, when you're eating, especially supper in the evening, how, where is everyone eating? <laughs> is it, you know, in America, it's a big deal. And we really stress like the family meal at mm. supper. Everybody... Mm-hmm. You've been to school, you've been to work, and everybody needs to come and sit at the table together, grown-ups, children, mm. and eat supper together. But in Malawi, in the village... Yeah, it's it's kind of different from whatever you have explained. So in Malawi, when it's time for supper, the woman saves the man first, and he finds a place for himself to save himself or to, or to eat by himself or with fellow men. Mm-hmm. Well, him with the kids would eat, to, uh, her rather, the, the woman with the kids would eat together. So we don't usually mix up uh, men and and women when we are eating. That's in a typical mm-hmm. um, uh, village. So a man would eat on his own or with fellow men or with fellow uh, like boys or his sons. Well, the mother would eat with um, uh, the girls or other 
uh, visitors or uh, extended families. And but Josh, this is something you've been trying to change with the pastors that you teach, right? Well, we we've had them kind of bring it up themselves. Uh, so we were teaching on family mm-hmm. and on especially Ephesians chapter five about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And one of the older pastors came with the application: I'm going to start eating with my wife, mm-hmm. and I don't care what anyone else says about me. Because isn't it true that husbands who do show that kind of affection and love towards their wife, a lot of times people just assume like it could be witchcraft. It could be she's given him some sort of love potion. It's that unusual. Yes. If, yeah. That's that, that's what um, most of us believe. And that's even the same with when we see a man helping out the wife with chores. We go like, oh, he's been poisoned. <laughs> he's been given some What have you charms. given me? <laughs> <laughs> and we have a Jewa wait for that. Uncle Zumula. <laughs> oh, really? How would you translate that? Uh, so he's been fooled. He's, he's more like useless now and he's helping out. Uh, <laughs> the wife has been charmed, something uh-huh. like that. <laughs> I'll never tell my secret. <laughs> 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 so so it it is such a challenge mm. to teach um biblical marriage and, and biblical you know especially for the men I think mm. I think women have a natural hunger for being cared for and being loved yeah. but the men it's just su- such a big leap to go from what they've learned as a culture mm. and even from the time they're little boys isn't there like in a lot of homes instructions towards the way the girls should treat the boys and not so much the way the boys should treat the girls not in my we, yeah. we just let them grow as they would want to grow. The but, boys, but, but the what, girls are taught to respect their brothers, of right? Of course, but for the boys, we don't. Um, I, I, in the typical villages, maybe in the cities or in in, in modern homes, that's when the parents are so much uh, concerned with the boys. Mm-hmm. But in the typical villages, it's not a topic of discussion in most of. Uh, yeah. the homes so it's only girls that are watched uh, after and like taught the behaviors that they should be uh, they should uh, behave be behaving yeah mm-hmm. uh, so let's talk then we talked about marriage let's talk about family mm-hmm. so I don't we don't have the statistics in front of us but in your experience mm. how many children are some of these women having in the uh, village yeah. I I know there's more birth control being yes, advanced yes. but but these days I think most of them have about 6 6 6 and above yeah yeah because if 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 you have few kids or if you don't have <laughs> for whatever reasons you don't have any child the community start asking questions like what have what are you doing in the family in the marriage you're not producing you're not having kids so most of them would rather have many kids 
to please the communities. So we have a lot of them that have six and above. Well, and a woman's identity is is in her motherhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, when a woman becomes a mother, she's known as Ma in the name of her oldest child. Yes, <laughs> like Ma Haiti. Yes. <laughs> so infertility is, is I mean, it's We've been through infertility, and it's hard. It's difficult as, for anyone. As but. Americans, you 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 want that, but it's it's a whole nother level here. Of devastating for the women. Yeah, very, because the communities are always talking negative about your situation or your condition. So it's really devastating, mm-hmm. I should say. And it would be a reason for a husband to to either end that marriage or get a second wife or something, right? A, a very big reason, actually. Yeah. And we've seen most of the families uh, divorcing because of that. Like they're separating because... Um, and <laughs> the most interesting thing about this whole thing is that everyone, like in the marriages, when we have someone like in that condition, they feel like it's it's the woman's problem. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing, if they're not having kids, the man points a finger at a woman mm-hmm. and say, "It's you. You are the problem." So yeah. you, it's, uh, it's a reason enough for men to uh, to go out and have a second. A wife or do any other thing. We we have a lot of cases where we have uh, men have kids um, outside marriage because of that, mm-hmm. and we've seen people marriages who have separated and afterwards we see women having kids and you say okay he said the problem <laughs> was a woman then there she is she has it it was the man yeah so it's a very big issue in Malawi and it's really destroying families. We, I think we haven't gotten to that point of accepting that it's uh, kids are blessings from God and they can't come or they, mm-hmm. it's a, just a gift. They can come and they cannot, they could not come. Yeah. So I think we are very far from accepting that fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I personally have a close friend who has been, uh, she has been trying so hard and for her and her husband, they feel okay, but then they're getting the pressure from the mm. extended families, the parents, the in-laws. They're saying like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Like they've been suggesting for them, uh, for the husband to get a second wife, mm-hmm. but they've wow. tried, they've prayed, <laughs> mm-hmm. they've fasted. They even went to an extent of looking for traditional uh, ways of helping them, but wow. Yeah. Mm. probably God has a different plan for them. But mm-hmm. yeah, such are the cases in Malawi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then on the other end, mm-hmm. a woman gets frustrated having so many children. Then uh, a lot of times, especially in the villages, we're turning to abortions that are are bush abortions. Mm-hmm. So you, is that something I've heard about that we've had Last year, we had a pastor whose wife died mm-hmm. from a, a traditional abortion. Uh, but is it very common or is it just kind of a stories that we hear? Uh, it's not very common, but there are stories that we hear. Yeah. But not very common. Yeah. Especially these days that a uh, lot of organizations have come in to say, okay, there are safe abortions, come mm-hmm. and abort, things like those. But it's not so common. But yeah. we hear them, they happen, but not yeah. so often. 
Well, we probably only hear about them when something goes wrong. Exactly. Who knows how common they are that we don't hear about. Of course, yeah, that's true. Um, I know they do them, hmm. but maybe it's, it's in the case that you're saying now that maybe we hear out of them when something goes wrong. But yeah, there are traditional ways that people are bought. Mm-hmm. Or oh, teenagers these days actually in schools, they are aborting using those traditional ways, wow. like drinking surf, uh, washing, washing powder, mm-hmm. drinking um, herbs, like to get rid of the pregnancy. It's a mm-hmm. common, wow. it's, it's, it's wow. a common uh, trait. Yeah. A lot of these are poisons that then sometimes actually poison the mother as well. Mm. And then some of them are using objects that mm. then cause bleeding and mm. things that kill the mother as well. So it's a, it's heartbreaking when we hear stories like that pastor's wife who, mm. who died from it. And mm. you understand that abortion is wrong because it takes a human life. Mm. But on the other hand, you understand the desperation mm. that must have driven her to to that kind of action. And it's just, it's a very tough situation. tidbit this time um this morning we woke up to something all over the ground (laughs) and that's apparently a pretty exciting time in this area Mm. um why don't you tell us about what we found Ngumbi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you call them in English? Well the dictionary calls them flying termites or white ants Although I don't know why it calls them white ants because their They're bodies are black. <laughs> yeah, but flying termites. Okay, so Gumbi flying termites. The we eat them actually. <laughs> <laughs> they're only they're only here for like a few weeks a year, right? Uh, no, they usually come dur- during the rainy season. So now you'll be exper- you'll be having them roads. Like mm-hmm. you even find them in markets. So. They come in handy when you don't have a relish for food. But then, um, like Josh has been saying today, Ngobi, because when they okay when they um when they take off their flies, like the they wings, lose, yeah, they lose their wings. Yeah, so they come out at night. Are they coming out of the ground? Where are they coming from? Yeah, they're coming from the ground. Okay, actually, we we have some people who harvest them from the. Uh, the uh, ant hills, okay. oh. but then for those, I think they follow the light at night. So yeah, they... they're all over the lights at night, mm. and then by morning they're on the ground and their wings have fallen off. Yes, and did you observe that when the wings are falling off, they walk? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they they're like around. yeah, they move around, but in pairs mostly. Oh yeah, yeah. You, Josh just learned this morning that you have a saying. <laughs> yes, kuendangatingumbi. <laughs> Walking like uh, frying ants, <laughs> so it's kind of romantic because they are everywhere. Like you know, the yeah. husband and wife are walking right in a row, like head to tail. <laughs> yes, everywhere they go, they're they're going because they're in love and they want to make more <laughs> goombi. <laughs> 
So, so that's uh, like when you see a husband and wife holding hands. Yeah, walking together like Ngumbi. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of romantic. Yeah. So how you eat, some people eat them raw, but most people cook them, right? It will be disgusting to eat them raw. Okay. <laughs> but most of them uh, cook them. We usually fry them. Okay. In a little oil. Yeah, and a little. Bit. Salt or... Yeah, just in a little oil and salt, that's all. Do you eat them as a snack or you eat them you with could. Sima? You could eat them as a snack and we can see it works better. Okay. Yeah. Do you like them? <sighs> <laughs> I used to like them, but uh, I was just telling my Jessica before I came to your house this morning, um, there was a time I overate them. Oh. <laughs> Not because I wanted, but because that's the only... And food that was available. Oh. <laughs> so not anymore. I yeah. used to love them then. You did that with grasshoppers last year in the lower shear. Yeah, yeah, I was eating them and they were so good and crunchy <laughs> and like popcorn. And so I was just kept eating yeah. and eating. And then all of a sudden my stomach turned. <laughs> and now I can hardly touch them. No, probably you had a lot of them. Yeah. You should know how to take things in right proportion. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. well, Even for Gumbi, well, don't what, eat too much. What do they taste like to you? What they are crunchy. Um, they are, what would I compare it with? But they are crunchy. Okay, mm. we're going to have ours later today. I we read they have almost like a nut flavor. Uh, kind of. Kind of? Yeah. I read that they're they're actually really good for you. They're full of protein and healthy fats. But I would advise... Uh, I, I know... Um, Ma Jessica has got a lot of them. She oh. has a lot of... Let her prepare them for you. Don't we, do it yourselves. No, JJ's collected some this morning and we were going to have Joanna. Oh, our, our yeah, since Joanna is already there. I yeah. think that would be... Prepare them for us. Otherwise, I was worried if you were going to... <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't do it our way, you know? No, no. We wouldn't All try right. that ourselves. We, we know that we don't know how to cook them. <laughs> Just like we've got a turkey for Christmas that we're not going to ask you to cook because we know you don't know how to cook the turkey. So you cook the goombe for Christmas and we'll cook the turkey, okay? Okay, deal. If we have a big decision to make or even a little decision, we usually talk about it and we both give our opinions. And maybe if we strongly disagree, Josh might, uh, I might end up having to uh, bend to what he decides. But generally, it's a joint decision, right? I don't know that in our marriage, I've ever just said, this is the way it's going to be and made you. No. I, I think I... I, if it was such a situation, I have that authority, but it's not something that I ever have really used. No. Yeah. No. And but, I'm probably a little more hard-headed than I should be about <laughs> stuff, too. But generally, it's we come to a consensus and right. we make a decision. Right. So. What about... What about here in Malawi, Janet? Wow. That's a very difficult thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Malawi... Uh, the main have the finest. <laughs> the main make decisions. Like uh, 
if anything is happening in the family, it's up to the man. You see a woman uh, being afraid of doing something because the husband would shout at her or would have a, uh, an opposite opinion, a contract, uh, contrasting uh, opinion. So basically, um, we as women in Malawi, we don't really have a say on things that we do or decisions that should be made in our families or in our communities. Well, like I said earlier on that these days, maybe it's kind of different because um, there are more organizations coming in to say, okay, let's empower women. Let's hear their voices, you know. But then in the typical villages, it's still an issue. Women can't make choices. Maybe you've seen from the Bible studies that we've been having. Yeah, here. for sure. We started with lots of women um, the first days of the Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And as we went by, the numbers kept on decreasing. If you could find out from the reasons um, that they've stopped coming to the Bible studies, you could find that, Others are probably because their spouses do not agree with them coming here oh, because really? they think something is suffering home or probably they're not oh. doing some chores. Or if we knock off maybe around four, I know they, they still have something to do or discuss as women after we finish the Bible studies. They mm -hmm. go home, they go there maybe around five and definitely a man thinks or she was somewhere, she was doing something. And mm -hmm. once a man says, no, I don't want you to go there again, the woman doesn't have any power to say, I can still go to church. I can still go to Bible study. I can still do this. Yeah. So a lot of decisions the women make in families, in communities are based on what a man says. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard if a man is an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then the decisions that would be made in those cases are not good for a Christian woman. And you see women backsliding because of their husbands. Yeah. There are very few women who are so courageous from the communities that maybe would stand out and say, no, even if you say I shouldn't go, I'll still go. Even in saving God in church, mm -hmm. like doing some, you know, some small activities in church or singing in the choir, some are not doing, not because they don't want but because the man has said you shouldn't do this. Mm. I'm curious because yeah. in Malawi we have different tribes and the different tribes have different traditions. So um, like the Sina are patrilineal mm. and the the Chewa and the Yao are the Lomwe. The Lomwe are matrilineal. Yes. And what that means is when... I get married to my wife, mm -hmm. I go and move to her village mm -hmm. if I'm matrilineal, whereas mm -hmm. the Sina, the wife moves to the husband's village. Mm -hmm. and, and so in the matrilineal uh, setup, mm -hmm. even the children I have with my wife belong to my wife's family, not to my family. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And so if you know, if I have to leave for some reason, mm -hmm. the children stay. Which makes sense because you can prove who a kid's mother yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> logic behind it. You know it's the mothers, you don't know it's the fathers. But so in the matrilineal tribes, mm. it would seem like the women would have more power. But is that the case? Yes or no? Or is, what do you think? <laughs> yes and no. Now, uh, now your tribe... Is it matrilineal it's or past? Padrino. Okay. But I've, Janet's Tumbuka. Yes. But um, I've grown up, like, this is my, I don't know if it's a 10th year or 8th year being here okay. in the southern part of Malawi, where most of them are Madrino. 
um, system kind of marriage. Um, I said um, no because um, okay, initially we should we would say okay the powers are with the lady. That's ideally that's what we could have, but if you get to the homes. You know, you would feel different mm. from what would you would ideally expect from uh, from those families. Of course, we say women have the final say in case of separation. The kids would belong to the the woman here in the southern region. Uh, but then, if if you come to the decision making in homes, it still uh, relies on the man mm. like because if you don't listen to him he will leave you <laughs> and you don't want to be single because you didn't listen to your man yeah. even if you you're more powerful so most of the women wouldn't would choose to keep quiet or agree with what the man is saying mm. not necessarily because they don't have power as the uh, tradition expects them but then they're trying to protect something which is their man mm -hmm. even if they don't agree with the things that they make. So that's why I said no. But um, if, if if we we consider a matrimonial system of marriage, then we'd say the women here have power. Mm -hmm. But the decisions, I have, uh, we have someone who works here. I don't know if it's okay if I talk about that. Mm -hmm. But then she, 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 she has the power to say, or to make decisions in the family. But she has a husband who is so troublesome. Mm -hmm. He cheats on her. He makes decisions for her. He sells his uh, her um, her produces, her products, like the maize. He sells everything. He does everything that he wants in the family. Yet she does have the power. But once she says, "Hey, I've had enough. Can you move out of this house?" The man never leaves. Mm -hmm. oh, Up wow. until the day he would decide himself to leave. Mm -hmm. huh. He comes and gets food from 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 the house and goes out and feeds other women in the. Uh, the, the 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 women that he goes out with, but she can't make a solid decision. Though she knows uh, she's in a matrimonial uh, system of marriage where she has the power, but she doesn't do anything. Why? Because she still has the power. Uh, the man who has the power, in a sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Would you say though that it's difficult in matrilineal? tribes but it would be even worse in the patrilineal yes yeah it, it, it would be very worse like uh maybe i should talk about the culture that i uh from which i come from uh, -huh. uh in our culture because we give robola it's more like you've been sold out <laughs> yeah so that's yeah, like that's a dowry a, right yeah bride price yes yeah. so you really don't have much to say Mm. Because then your parents cannot give. If if I if I got married, then my parents wouldn't be in a position of giving back the cows that they um, they got from from a man. So I would have to bow down to his decisions. Mm. Uh, it only takes, I think, God uh, or how relationships started before uh, people got married that maybe they could discuss out issues. You know. They could come, they could be friends and discuss yeah. more. But if <laughs> we, if for instance, we got married, like because I got pregnant, then the decisions I tell you would entirely be up to the man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I come against his decision, then it will mean the end of the marriage between us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, we still have man. you know, men are still more powerful than us, even mm -hmm. in decision making. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we've run into this in our women's Bible study. We were, we were learning through the Ten Commandments and we got to thou shall not commit adultery. Mm -hmm. And that's taken us into a kind of side study for several weeks on just biblical family and marriage. Um, and the women, they, they're eager to embrace biblical family and marriage ideas, but they just don't, they don't have the power in their homes to do mm. anything, to change anything. Do let's they? just, let's just note first that when we talk about what the Bible teaches about family and the role of a husband and the role of wife in American culture, it's often seen as oppressive mm. because um, because there is a chain of authority that God instituted in the yeah. marriage where the husband is the head of the home mm-hmm. um, and the wife is to submit to her husband as to the Lord. But um, it's, it's modified by the fact that the husband is to love his wife and sacrifice himself for his wife mm-hmm. so that really changes the relationship from looking like that traditional relationship in Malawi where the husband's the authority in more of a dictator Mm -hmm. type way. Um, But we teach that in America, it's seen as oppressive, but in biblical times Mm -hmm. and in modern times here in Malawi, it's liberating from the place that a lot of these women are coming yeah, Would I, you agree yeah with that? for sure. The The biblical model for family is a lot better than than the cultural model, right? But did, but did you see that uh, when we, we talked about what the Bible says on uh, about marriage in the Bible study, did you see the reactions from the women? They like, they cheered. Of they course liked they it. cheered, but then they knew it, it would be hard because they still that and that's not hearing to this way, or they are not ready to open up and 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 be, yeah, be or learn their marriages like the Bible requires. But yeah, they were excited that maybe it's it's a good way to go because that's not what happens. Yeah, I feel like they they agree with what they're hearing. They would love to put it into practice in their in their own lives. But as far as their marriage and their families are concerned, they just don't have the power to really say or change anything. It goes back to the husband having to take on his responsibility so that she can can be nurtured and cared for and live in her part. And unfortunately, all across Malawi, as in the United States and all around the world, the majority of those in church are women. And, and even some of the village churches is not not as bad in our church here in Zomba, although there is a majority women, but not as bad mm-hmm. as when I go to some of the villages and you have a, a building that's packed with women and children, mm-hmm. and then you have three or four men <laughs> in the entire yeah. building. But that's, you know, that's the challenge. You can't expect non-Christian men mm-hmm. to become Christian husbands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And didn't you tell me after one Bible study that they said if they tried to go home and tell their husbands they wanted to make some of these changes, the husband would be like, well, you can just go live at the church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it still takes us back to the kind of relationship that's there between a man and the uh, wife, uh, spouses in families here in Malawi. Like 
the way they discuss things and how they reason together. So a man would just crash out the point, you see? Yeah. Okay, let's try this change and let's try to do things in a better way. They go like, no, where are you hearing those things from? Is it your pastor? Then go and live with your pastor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a woman would be afraid to even... Uh, share the good news, for instance. You remember even when we talked of um, a family worships, like uh, yeah. worshiping as a family. It's a culture that doesn't happen here in Malawi often, especially in typical villages. It's so rare or so hard to find uh, families praying together or worshiping together. Yeah. And if a woman, because like you've rightly put that, uh, women are more they are eager to do things Mm -hmm. like they get so much involved than men but then if they come and say okay i learned this for instance from bible study can we try out to worship together definitely most of the cases you'd only find the wife and kids yeah doing the bible study you never you never find a man. Probably maybe they feel so guilty out of the sins that yeah. <laughs> they be, because we have lots of cheating men here in Malawi yeah. and it's a big issue. So, yeah, it's very hard for a woman to bring out a new idea to the husband. Yeah. And when we were talking about some of the ideas found in Song of Solomon, mm. um, and uh, I was trying to tell the wives, you know, you talk to your husband about how you'd like to enjoy your relationship too. And they said, if we tried that, he would say, are you a prostitute? Did you get these ideas from prostitutes? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just not talked about or mm-hmm. done here. But I love my ladies in the Bible study. I think we're... And have you seen the way they have changed? Now yeah. they are more open. They're they are. discussing more issues. Uh, openly, like they feel this is the place... I, I can't wait to get to the point where we talk about the Bible study in general. Yeah. Like, let's let's go ahead and, and talk more about the Bible study. Yes. Feel free. Yeah. Okay, so um, okay, from the time we started the Bible studies, you know, you could see the women, how rigid they were, how Yeah, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But what's um this far? Have you seen how open they are now? They are open. They feel like this is the safest place to bring out their issues, their ideas that maybe they cannot talk about in their communities. Yeah. Uh, So I feel like this, um, the Bible study has been so good and Mm. it's a platform for them to... To feel like uh, to 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 express their views, to express their feelings, which they can't express in their homes. Yeah. Let me just say that a lot of times mm-hmm. she gets questions during her Bible study on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. afterwards she comes to me with the questions <laughs> like, "What do you think about this?" Because I told them I'd bring back an answer next week, mm-hmm. and some of the questions, like it's just so amazing to me mm-hmm. that Malawian women are asking this publicly mm-hmm. uh, because. This is a culture where, as we've noted, there's a lot of uh, of sexual things going on, mm. but people don't talk, talk about it. Yeah, like you, you just there's a very uh, like in our culture, mm. everybody the, you're not very shamed to talk about sex. Mm. You're just straight at it. Mm. But here, like mm. it's almost like nothing is happening while everything's it's happening, happening at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah. And um and yet these women are asking some very uh very 
straightforward questions mm, yeah. about marriage, about sex, about uh, obeying the Bible in those mm. areas. And I'm just amazed that they're comfortable enough to say these things. Yeah, I've been so, so thankful for how God has blessed yeah. our Bible study. It's, it's really been good. <laughs> yeah, and I was nervous about, you know, coming in as the Azungu, and I still, Janet's trying to teach us Chichewa, but we're slow. <laughs> It'll be a long time before I can teach in Chichewa, so Janet translates for me, and um, I was nervous that that would be a real barrier mm. between us, but I don't think it has been. No, it hasn't been. Actually, the only thing that maybe in a good way, they, the women would like to learn from your life, like mm. how they can live their lives better through you guys, like through your culture. Mm. Uh, um, for instance, in marriage, they were asking how, they feel like you guys, you're not sinful. <laughs> a man cannot cheat on a woman. Or how yeah. you, you know, how you live your your yeah. families, your life. So it can be interesting. So in uh, it hasn't been a barrier that you are Azungus, as you put yeah. it. But then it has worked to their advantage because they are learning a lot. And the feedback that I get from, from them after the Bible studies are really encouraging. Great. And um, initially, though... A lot of them were were thinking, these things you're teaching us, it's because you're American, mm. because you're a Zulu. Yeah, I try so hard to tell them regularly, like, I'm not teaching you my... Azungu means foreigner or white person. Mm. I'm not teaching you my American culture, my Azungu culture. Mm. I'm teaching you what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've tried tried to tell them that, like, America is not any better about mm. this stuff. Like mm. we, Josh and I have a good marriage because we were raised in good churches and good families who taught us what the Bible teaches about these things. Mm. But it's not just because this is our culture, because our culture is also terrible. Mm. Mm -hmm. And even more so uh, in many ways with the growth of homosexuality mm. and transgender and those types of things. Uh, I mean, Americans are so messed up when it comes to marriage and sex. Mm. Uh, but um, but for them, just seeing us, they think, oh, it's, all this is because you're American. Americans, yeah. Yeah. And that's what the ladies have, uh, the women have now come to realize through the mm. Bible studies. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a good journey. And I, I believe that God is going to do more amazing things to the group. And I can't wait to see them and their lives being empowered um, biblically. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. Great. I'm so excited. I, I love our Bible study and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. So this Bible study is for our women at Gospel Life Baptist Church here in Zomba. But um, one thing that we've seen, especially this year in some different incidences, including the uh, woman who died from abortion, is that our pastor's wives in the about 180 churches that we minister to here, um, they face tons of challenges as a pastor's wife and as a woman in Malawi. And the way they handle those challenges have a direct uh, impact on their husband's ministry. And so we felt the conviction that we're spending so much time training pastors, we're doing nothing for their wives. And it's 
um, having a negative impact on the ministry of the churches. And so this year, Lord willing, um, we're going to have a pastor's wife uh, conference. (laughs) So you want to say anything about your vision for that? I know you still have a lot of details to plan, but just kind of the big picture hopes and dreams. Yeah, I don't know. I just, um, there, there's so many areas to cover with them. I don't know where we'll start or what we'll cover. Um, I'm a little overwhelmed at some of the idea of it, but I'm just, I'm really excited about reaching out to them, you know, as a fellow pastor's wife Mm. and, um, just trying to help them think biblically, um, respond to life biblically and, um, teach their children biblically. Thank you so much for joining us today, Janet. We've really been blessed by your contributions to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So listeners, if you could just pray for us whenever you think about it, pray for the women here in Malawi, um, the women specifically in our Bible study, that they would continue to grow in faith and knowledge of the word and pray for this pastor's wives conference that we're hoping to be able to do next year that, God would direct us in what to say and what to teach, and he would um, open the women's hearts and, and minds to his word. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the podcast. What you reading? What you reading? What you reading? Okay, I'll go first. So I've got two answers for this, okay. if that's okay. So I just started uh, the biography, Robert Caro's bio- first volume of his biography of Lyndon Johnson. How many volumes are there? I think there's four and there's supposed to be five, but I think Caro Good is great. on his deathbed and may never finish the last one. How can you have that much to say about a human? I, I know. And what is amazing to me, it's, it's so well written and he's such a good biographer. But if you read about Lyndon Johnson, you'll find out he was a jerk. Yikes. And um, it's very weird. Usually I listen to biographies of people I like and I can't stand Lyndon Johnson. So I'm not going to talk about that book. Uh, okay. The other book I'm reading, which is very fascinating, I don't know if you can get it in the U.S., is by N. Dix, who's an Australian uh, guy, and his book, An African Worldview, which is about the Yao tribe of Malawi and he goes through um their their Muslim he goes through their religion their traditional religion um just all about how they see the world and it's very fascinating so if you can get it in the U.S. you're interested in Malawi I totally recommend uh Dr. Dix's book An African Worldview that sounds fascinating well you can read it when I'm done okay um, what you all reading? Well, I'll, I'll mention two as well. So I just finished The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And I, it was my first time ever reading it. And of course, I loved it. If you've, mm-hmm. if you've read it, you understand. Um, highly recommend. It was great. If you don't know, 
I think everybody knows, but Corey Tim Boom went to a concentration camp for hiding Jews. Yeah, in in Holland. Yeah. During World War II. Um, so I just finished that. It was amazing. And I just started yesterday. I'm a couple chapters in to uh, becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so good. And um I So this is a brand new, I think in October, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot came out. Brand new biography. And it's just the first volume yeah. that goes through her missionary service. Then there's a second one that will come out later. Yeah, and and I just I love Elizabeth Elliot. I'm loving reading more about her. And it's just fast because you know she wrote the biographies of Jim and the story of of him and uh, his the the five that were killed in Ecuador in the fifties. Uh-huh. She wrote that, and so so often we're hearing about Elizabeth through the story of Jim, but to hear her story, I just found it absolutely fascinating to hear things from her perspective yeah yeah yeah. it was interesting though the biographer she talks about how she went to wheaton where jim and elizabeth went to school and like randomly asked students walking by on campus if they'd ever heard of elizabeth elliott and hardly any of them had and she said she was sitting in front of a building named after jim elliott and only some had, had heard even of, heard of him. Yeah. It, it's that is amazing. And so it I hope the book reintroduces uh maybe to a younger generation college students out there listening um to these amazing missionary heroes. Um and what I love about the book was that, you know, we call them missionary heroes and they are, but it's not like they're superheroes that it really gets to the human side and some of their flaws and the difficulties they had and made them real people. Um, And so highly, highly is probably one of my favorite books of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Gospel Life Go. God provides for the needs of Gospel Life through your prayers and gifts. To become a prayer or giving partner, go to gospellife.org. We hope you join us in glorifying God by growing disciples who make disciples. We hope that you live a gospel life.